Welcome to the One New Man Network from Kirtlandry Ministries at House of David, where we learn about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. The following is a replay of a previous service. Let's give the worship team a round of applause. Thank you guys. Great job. How many of you know that you have a call on your life? How many of you know what your call is? Are you sure? Every one of you does indeed have a call. The Lord has anointed you with a unique call that only you can fill. So you're very special to him. If the Lord had to come just for you, he would have. That's how much you mean to him. When we talk about Gideon, you know, Gideon is well known in scripture and in Bible stories and in teachings and stuff. And most everybody focuses on, you know, one or two aspects of his life. But I haven't really heard a whole lot taught about Gideon's call, his encounter with the Lord, because it changed Gideon's life. It changed the direction of his life. It changed the direction of a nation. Some of you may have a call on your life that may change the direction, not only of your life, but of your family, of your community, maybe a nation. Never underestimate what God can do in and through you. See, it's real easy for us to always say, well, you know, it's, you know, Billy Graham, you know, he his ministry, well, that was, that was wonderful, or T.L. Osborne or different ones, Oral Roberts, Joel Osteen. You know, there's all sorts of different ones that are having an impact on the world. And they have an anointing and they have a call. But so do you. So tonight we're going to look at this call that Gideon has, how that relates to us. If my voice will let me. So, you've heard it said numerous times by rabbis, is only your call will keep you. As long as you stay within your call, you're in a very safe place. It's when we step outside the call and begin to doing some extracurricular activities that we can get ourselves into trouble and you can actually have what they call backlash. You know, there are some things that, there are some dogs you don't kick. All right? If it's within your call and within your anointing and with, with what you're destined to do, you are safe. God is with you for you. Don't step outside those boundaries. It's important to stay within the boundaries of the Lord. So we're going to begin reading in Judges chapter 6, verse number 6. Israel has just come from a period of 
kind of revival under Barack and Deborah. It's been a few years since they have been on the scene, and um, Israel has slipped back into some old habits and are worshiping the gods of their land in which they live, of the neighbors that surround them. Because they've done that, the blessings of the Lord have been removed. There are consequences to our actions. And this is where we pick up the verse, verse number six. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all of those who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So the prophet basically tells the people, let's get real. You guys are crying, you guys are whining, you guys are impoverished, you know, you're suffering. The Lord sees it. The Lord knows it. But why, have, you know, have you, have you stopped to consider why you're in this condition? You haven't obeyed the voice of the Lord, so I'm sure it probably was not one of the more popular messages of the day. It doesn't say who this prophet was. But the word of the Lord came, and it spoke. And any time the Lord brings correction, he also will bring an opportunity to get out of that problem. But you're going to have to deal with some of the issues that put you there. Okay? So in verse 11, now it says the angel of the Lord came. All right, we have a prophet that has come, and now the Lord goes up the ladder of authority. The angel of the Lord shows up. And there's lots of debate about who the angel of the Lord is. A lot of people believe that it's the pre-incarnate Christ that came and visited. And when he comes, he always has a message. But sometimes he comes with a very gentle a very gentle invitation. So he comes and it says, and he sits under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiazrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. As a farmer, I'm looking through this and it's like, wait a minute, there's nothing but a bunch of confusion going on here because you're doing the wrong job at the wrong place at the wrong time. He's threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now he's doing this because he's under duress. How many of you know that a lot of times when you're under duress, you'll do a lot of strange things? Things that don't make a whole lot of sense. 
So in order to hide it from the Mennonites, now the Mennonites, when they came in, they would come in literally with thousands and thousands of not only people, but also their camels and livestock, and they would completely consume everything that Israel was producing on the farm. So it would leave the people with nothing, basically, to eat. No way to make money, no harvest. So you can see why Gideon is doing what he's doing where he's doing it. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I don't know that Gideon gave him an amen on that. But he did recognize who he was talking to. It was not uncommon in the land of Israel for a spiritual encounter with the God of Israel. It was not unusual. Now, they had went off and done a lot of other things, but on over and over again, this was a whole nation that had been schooled and taught for years and years about how to uh, fellowship, is the word I think is best used, how to fellowship with God, that they are a unique and special people. This place that they were at in Ophrah means a fawn. A fawn, something a very gentle, unassuming, tender place. Belonged to Joash. His name means given by the Lord. It's only the Lord that can reach out into us in those places sometimes when we're the most vulnerable. When we have the most receptive response to his invitation. See, God knows your situation. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And he has given us the invitation to fellowship with him. He's an Abiah's right. That's a mouthful. He says, my father is help. So here's Gideon at this place of vulnerability in his father's inheritance. He is an individual of the half-tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph. And he's trying to survive. And the Lord shows up and says, you are a mighty man of valor. And he says, right. (laughs) So Gideon says in verse 13, Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, notice the shift because the angel of the Lord is addressing him directly, personally. He said, I'm I'm addressing you, Gideon. You're the, the guy that's standing or hiding 
in the winepress, threshing wheat incognito. You're the man. You are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon doesn't even want to go there. Gideon's name means warrior. It means a hewer. It means somebody who chops, somebody who cuts down. He's a warrior. That's what his name means. But he's not fulfilling that call right now because he's afraid of the circumstances that he finds himself in. If the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? Maybe you have asked that question. Why in the world did this happen to me? At this time, what, what have I done? What did we do? What caused this? How did I get in this situation? Why has all this happened to us? It says, where are all of his miracles which our fathers told us about? So he's making a commentary or he's making a, a witness and a testimony that I have heard the stories. I've heard our history. I know my family lineage. I know my inheritance. And yet I'm not able to tap into the resource of my inheritance. Where are all of his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. So he goes back and falls back into a very quickly into God's forsaken us. Not dealing with the issue. The reason God's not on the scene is because you guys have been worshiping everything else other than the true God. Then the Lord turned to him and said, now remember, he's sitting under this tree, just sitting in the shade, probably observing him in the wine vat, in the wine press, trying to thresh the wheat out. And he may even have a smile on his face. The Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the, Mid of the Midianites, have I not sent you? Here's his call. Go in your strength. Go in this might of yours. He doesn't know that he has any might. Up until this point, he just thinks I'm the guy that's hiding out in the wine press, threshing wheat, so the enemy doesn't see what I'm doing, so they come and take all my food. You want me to do what? To take on all these thousands and thousands of foreigners who have invaded our territory and are holding us hostage? You want me to do what? Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, pick somebody else. No, he says, How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. He was the youngest of five sons. He's the youngest. He's also of the family. In his history, one of his relatives in the tribe of Manasseh was a guy by the name of Zelophehad. 
Zelophehad had five daughters. Because he had daughters, he had no inheritance, or they had no inheritance, until they took the bold step of saying to Moses, we want our inheritance. Why should our father's house be desolate and come to nothing? So they came and they asked, and they received their inheritance so that there was not a family missing in the tribe. Their inheritance was important to them. Their calling was important to them. So much so that they took the initiative and said, we want our inheritance. We want what the Lord has promised to our fathers. Gideon, this mighty warrior, this hewer of obstacles, is saying, how can I do this? A lot of times what your call is is not about what your condition is or about even what your perception is. It's what God says about you that's important more than what you think about yourself. A lot of times the enemy is really good about beating us down. And a lot of times we jump on that bandwagon and we join in and we become really a part of the accuser of the brethren. And we start commenting on our own ability to the point that we lose sight of the call and who's called you. It's not about who you are. It's about who you belong to. If God is for you, it says, who can be against you? Lord, how can I save Israel? I'm the least in my father's house. You're the perfect, and that, that qualifies him for the best of God. When you take yourself not so seriously to where you're not all puffed up with all about me, because it's not about you. It's about him. I'm the least in my father's house. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. Because, because you have this lack in your confidence, you have this lack of, of ego, you have a lack of courage, you have a lots of lacks. But because you recognize your lack, you're the perfect candidate to be filled with the power of God. I heard Catherine Kuhlman's testimony that she was at a, her kitchen table before she began her ministry. And she'd went through several failures, financial, marital, different things. And she was sitting at her kitchen table one morning complaining to the Lord and saying, Lord, you see my condition. If you can take this vessel that's nothing and use it, I'm yours. And the Lord took her up on it. Her ministry was phenomenal. I can still remember as a little kid watching her on television, getting scared to death at that pointy finger. And just see people just start dropping because the power of God 
was in her life. But she reached that point of saying, God, I'm nothing, but you're everything, and I'm yours if you can use me. And he did. So he says, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites. And this is the important point in this whole message. You'll defeat the Midianites as one man. And very few people touch that when they preach on that. You will defeat the Midianites as one man. If nobody else goes with you, because I've had it up to here with the complaints and the cries of my people, this season is over, and I'm going to drive the Midianites from this land. That's God. That is God's promise to his people. That's God's promise to Gideon. Verse 17, then he said to him, he's still debating this. I've heard your words. I've heard your promise. I'm not for sure this is true. I could be dreaming. After all, it's hot. I'm down in a vat. I'm threshing wheat. I'm talking to a guy sitting under a tree. That's the angel of the Lord. Is this real? Is this really happening? Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. In other words, he thinks I'm dreaming, I'm hallucinating, it's too hot, I've been in this vat too long, things are just getting a little bit crazy here. I've got this guy telling me I'm going to defeat all the Midianites by myself. Oy vey. Show me a sign that it's you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. So he's taking him a little bit seriously. He's going to bring him an offering. This is the angel of the Lord. He's got his attention. He's told him some things that's almost unbelievable. So I'm going to bring you an offering. Okay. Ring any bells? Bring an offering when the Lord begins to tell you to do something. Sow into it so you can see it happen. Okay. Don't depart until I bring you my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. In other words, I'm not going anywhere. God's not going to leave you in this. He's not going to give you a bunch of promises and then cut bait and run. He's going to stay the course. I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, unleavened bread from an ephah of flour, the meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot. Now think about how long this is taking. Okay? I know they were quick, but this sets precedence on fast food. Puts the meat in the basket, puts the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and set them on this rock and pour out the broth on the offering. In other words, wet it down really good. He'll use this same trick later on, a guy by the name of Elijah. Pour the broth out on it. 
And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand. And he touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Okay, you ask for a sign. Here's your sign. You don't see that every day. A guy holds a stick out, touches, you know, he's sitting on a rock. Not, I don't think most rocks are flammable. Touches the meat and the bread and goes up in smoke. Now he's got Gideon's attention. I ask for a sign. You've given me the sign. So now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. You really are the angel of the Lord. I haven't been dreaming this. This is unusual. You just changed my day. I'm starting to believe some of this stuff that you're telling me now. He perceived. But then he goes back and he begins to internalize, which a lot of us do. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. Nobody sees God. I'm a dead man. Nobody has this stuff happen to them and survives to tell about it. When God shows up, everybody knows, everybody knows that, right? No, God's a different God than what a lot of people think he is. God's a different God than what a lot of people think he is. So then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace or Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. Oh, to have peace with God. Oh, to have peace with God. Oh, to have peace with your call from God. This call is so, so different, so unique, so spectacular. No one's going to survive this call with God. Now, if God called you with that kind of a calling, he's going to make sure you survive. In fact, nothing can touch you if you stay within the boundaries of your call. So he built the altar, called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still an Ophrah of the Abiasrites. To this day, it is still there. To this day, it is still there. The God of peace is still there. Jesus made sure that it was still there when he said, I'm leaving you my peace. I'm not giving as the world gives, but I'm giving you my peace. I'm going to the Father so that my peace can stay with you, so that you can face anything, any number of Midianites, Amalekites, or any other ites. It doesn't make any difference. If God is for you, who can be against you? So this has to do with making peace with your call. So now to make peace with your call, you got to deal with the situation that's in your own house. If you want the, the call activated and begin to move forward into that call, you have to deal with the issues that are in your house. So that brings us to verse 25. 
Now it came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, all right, you've got these promises. You asked for a sign. I gave it to you. Now let's deal with some issues. Okay? Let's deal with some issues. Now it came to pass that same night the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. All right, we're going to have some issues here right now. I can see right now our father's son issues. Cut down the wooden images that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. This rock that burned, that burned up the offering, build up an altar in the proper arrangements, a stone for each of the tribes so that everybody is represented. Then take the second bull, offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you have cut down. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Mighty man of valor. Chosen of God. God's call. God's anointing. Still got a little bit of chicken in there. And that's all right. God knows. The thing is, is that he went ahead and did it, even if he did it by night. Instead of, oh, I can't do that. What would my father think of me? To his surprise, his father wasn't near as hard on him as some of the other folks was, but it began to turn. See, sometimes it only takes one person to stand up and do what's right to change a whole community. So you have to deal with your own house. It's important that you remove all bail structures from the house. If you're going to move forward in the anointing and your calling and your destiny with the Lord, you have to remove the bail structures. So in the morning, it says in verse 28, when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, the wooden image that was beside it cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. And this is not the norm in the community. This was not politically correct. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, and they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die. Because he's torn down the altar of Baal. Because he's cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But his father, Joash, said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? In other words, are you defending Baal if he's the God? He said, would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. In other words, he turned it around and said, look, if we're going to go put somebody to death, let's get down to the real who deserves to die. Worshiping something that's not the true God. We have been taught. This is in our history. This is in our DNA. We know better than this. We shouldn't be living like this. That never should have, I never should have let this come into my house. That's what his father was basically saying. I've had enough of this. You're not taking my son out and what's more, anybody that tries to, I'm going to fight against you. Changed the family setting. Changed the atmosphere 
in the house. Therefore, on that day, he called him Zerubbabel, which means contend with Baal, or let Baal contend. It says, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. Notice what his father is saying. He named, renamed his son and said, since he's torn down the altar of Baal, let Baal wage war against Gideon. His father knew exactly what he was doing because this is nothing more than just carved images, carved by man. Now, there's a spirit behind it. There's a spirit behind it. But if you get on the right side, hook up with your anointing and your calling, that spirit is going to bend its knee to the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the God of Israel. It says, let Baal plead against him because he's torn down his altar. It says, then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, all those great neighbors, the people of the east gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Notice that they're in the valley of Jezreel. God sows. God sows. Jezreel, God sows. God's going to sow some things. He's going to sow some thoughts. He's going to sow some people. He's going to sow things that are not of him. He's going to put them in the ground and bury them. This is the call of Gideon. As the enemy comes up, the Amalekites have been at war with Israel from its inception. The Midianites also trying to keep Israel from assuming and taking its full inheritance. And that's what the enemy always wants to do. The enemy wants to steal your inheritance. God has left you a rich, rich inheritance. You've been adopted into the family of God. That's your heritage. That's, those promises are yours. <coughs> it says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Gideon became a different person. Simply by dealing with the Baal structures. Simply by doing what wasn't politically correct, but was correct in the sight of God. So what does he do? He says he blows the trumpet. First thing, the Abiasrites gathered behind him. <coughs> so the Abiasrites, they gather behind him. His family first. His family first. They see the opportunity. says he sends messengers throughout all of Manasseh. 
He has a call on his life. Now he's issuing a call. Will you join in the fight for your survival? Will you join for your inheritance? It says they also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. Verse 36. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you've said. And this is the unique part about Gideon. Who else or where else in scripture do you ever see anyone put God to the test this many times? Show me a sign. Okay, here's fire out of a rock consuming your offering. All right, let me ask you something else. Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there's dew on the fleece only, and it's dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you've said. Well, this is kind of a unique little test. Let's have dew everywhere. I mean, let's have dew only on this one little spot and nowhere else. That's kind of a unique little task. I'll know that, he says, whenever I see this. And it was so. The Lord answered him. Can you see the kindness of the Lord in this expression? Now, no doubt, Gideon's looking at the, at the multitudes that are in his land that have invaded the land. They're in the Valley of Jezreel, a place of battle. He's got a lot of people that's joined to him. But he still wants to know, God, are you with me? God, are you with me? So give me a little water. And he does. So when he wrings out the fleece, says there's a bowl full of water. Not just a little bit. A bowl full of water. No water anywhere else, but on this fleece, bowlful. Then Gideon said to God, all right, I believe you, God. No, he doesn't. Do not be angry with me, but let me seek just once more. Let me test Let me test. Oh, God surely wouldn't let him do this. Oh, you have little faith. I'll choose somebody else. No, he didn't say that. Let me test, I pray. 
just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. Can you see a spiritual application here? If the dew is like the Spirit of God, he's saying, I'm the fleece. If you've really called me, then let your spirit come and just soak and permeate me. And now that it's here on me and I've wrung the bowl full of water, now let the Spirit of God come. And not on me, but on everything else. Let the Spirit of God come and be poured out. Because if the Spirit of God comes and enters the land, it's going to change the conditions. It's going to change the atmosphere in Israel. It says, and God did so that night. And it was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. So Gideon's call, and that's as far as we're going with the story of Gideon. Because see, Gideon, you know the rest of the story. Some of you are old enough to remember Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. He always told you little tidbits that you didn't get on the regular news. With this one, you know the rest of the story. All the people come down to him and the Lord says, there's too many people with you. I told you you can defeat them as one man if you'd go. So all these thousands that are here, there are too many. The glory would go to the wrong person, the wrong entity. So bring them down and I'll show you what we're going to do. We're going to thin them out a little bit. Everybody that's scared, not you included, Gideon. Everybody that's scared, go home. Twenty-some thousand of them take off. Ah, that's a bigger part of the army. Still 10,000 left. Still too many. Let's go down to the brook. Let's see how they drink water. Let's see their appreciation. So he goes down to 300. Perfect number. Just what you need. Break them into three companies. Let's get a trumpet, some pitchers, empty pitchers, not full, empty, and a little fire. And let's go have a party. So as he's doing that, then the Lord comes and says, if you're really afraid, Gideon. So anytime when the Lord says, if you're really afraid, you know the Lord knows that you are. He said, if you want to go down into the camp, you and your servant, you're going to hear what the camp is talking about. So he goes down in the camp. First story that he hears, I was once had a dream, and it's about this rock that's rolling through the camp, and it's destroying the tents of Midian. It's, oh, this is nothing but the sword of Gideon and of the Lord. Gideon has a smile on his face. Okay, God, I get the picture. You've delivered the Midianites into my hand. So he goes back and gets everybody, rouses, come on, let's go. This is the time. This is the time the call goes out. 
surround the camp, 300 men, pitch black. Everybody's talking because the Lord has sent an information bug into the camp of Midian. That you know what? There's something different this time on this trip into Israel. Something different is here. Why? Because the bail structures got tore down. God's here now. They're feeling a different atmosphere now. Surround the camp. Blow the trumpets. Break the pitchers and wave your torches. Wave your flames. And sure enough, they all started fighting amongst themselves. And they all started running. The Lord gave them victory. Because one man answered his call. One man, one woman is all it takes. Answering your call will bring you the victory. 1 Corinthians one twenty six. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. The things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord." John 15, you did not choose me. You didn't choose me. This is the Lord speaking. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you that's the call that's Gideon's call that's Jesus's call his call is whosoever will let him come and taste and see that the Lord is good so Gideon's call was one he put a call out to his neighbors his family his friends his community and they joined him. Now it's your call. Are you listening to what the Lord is saying to you? Will you answer your call? And it's okay if you have some reservations. We're not saying fear, but we're saying maybe there's some reservations. Maybe Gideon wasn't all that afraid. Maybe he was just very reserved. Nah, he was scared. 
The thing is, is he got over it. He moved forward, took the Baal structures out, changed his father's house, changed his neighbor's house, changed the nation, and we're still talking about it 3,000 years later. Pretty interesting story. Now it's your call. God's calling you. Will you answer? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Maybe I'm not Joel Osteen. Maybe I'm not Billy Graham. Maybe I'm not Catherine Kuhlman. Maybe I'm not any number of people. But what you are is the person you see in the mirror. And do you see the person in the mirror as God sees you? If you can see yourself as God sees you, the possibilities are endless. Surrender to the Lord. Trust him. He will not let you down. Amen? All right. Stand with me if you would. <clears throat> so, Father, tonight we thank you, Lord, that in this season of time, in this season of time, we are in a perfect place for you to bless us. We're in the right position to receive your call. And Lord, you have called each and every one of us. Lord, you have anointed each and every one of us with your Holy Spirit to achieve and accomplish the purposes and the designs that you have for each and every one of us from the foundation of the world. So Father, tonight we ask, Lord, for that anointing for that visitation of the angel of the Lord, for that visitation from the Spirit of God, for that visitation of a confirming word to move us out of our complacency and into, Lord, the place of power and authority. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you exceed what we can ask, you excel above everything that we can think. And Lord, you know what our destinies are. And Lord, we release the power and the authority tonight in this house. Lord, and those who have joined us on streaming, Father, I pray that the strength of the Spirit of the Lord, that the fire of God would light upon each and every one of us. And Lord, that there would be a boldness to speak as we should speak. Lord, that we would be the one who would not compromise, Lord, for political correctness or convenience, Lord, but that we would stand for the truth of your word. Lord, may your people take their place. May they stand for the truth of God. And Lord, without reservations, without fear, may your power, Lord, secure us, anchor us and make us lights in a darkening world 
In Yeshua's name we pray. And if you're in agreement, you would say amen. 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 All right. Now you can be seated. Time for the offering. <clears throat> if you need an envelope, the guys can get you fixed up here. And uh, remember what Gideon did. So if you bring it up in the basket and somebody shows up with a staff, it may go up in smoke. If it does, we'll all know that somebody special has been in the house. Anyway, sow into what the Lord has sowing into you. The Lord gave Gideon his place of peace with his call. And it's time that you found your place of peace with your call. Some of you have been battling against your call. Some of you have tried to convince yourself, no, that's not me. Well, I got news for you. It is you. God has called you. God has anointed you. There's power in your bloodline because of Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes the difference. All the glory goes to him. So tonight, as you sow your offering and your gift, allow that spirit of peace to permeate you. Dedicate it all to the Lord. Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I'm yours. Use me for whatever you want. And then hang on because you may get shaken from your usual routine and it's all right. Shaken from the usual is not a bad thing. God knows how to take care of his own. All right? So, Father, tonight we thank you, Lord, for your provision. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you cause mantles and anointings and callings to be distributed as you will in the body of Christ. And Father, we thank you that everyone is going to step into their role, step into their position to see the glory of the Lord revealed on planet Earth. And Father, we thank you that all the glory will go to our Heavenly Father through the name of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, by the power of his spirit, in Yeshua's name we pray, amen and amen. All right. Streamers, we want to thank you for joining us. Be here Friday night. Rabbi will be back with a powerful word to encourage you for what's getting ready to transpire in the next few days. His schedule is really busy, and that's a good thing because the gospel is being preached all over the world. And so uh, we're grateful for the opportunities that God is giving to Kurt and Christy and uh, Kurt Landry Ministries and the House of David, and we want you to be a part. But anyway, tune again Friday night for Shabbat Shalom. We'll see you then. 
Thank you for listening to this message from the One New Man Network. For more information, please visit us at theonenewman.com.